Hey, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. I just want to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer today that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our three services on Sunday at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 12 p.m. We're located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information at sccview.net. Again, that's sccview.net. Thanks again for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful day. My name's Chesney, and I'm the family ministry pastor here, and I'm so glad that you're here with us today. We are concluding, and I'm kind of sad about it, to be honest, uh, this Fixer Upper series. I've learned so much and have taken so many notes, and I hope that if you have missed any, that you'll go back and that you'll uh, listen online to some of the ones that maybe you have missed. And also, on a side note, Pastor Jeff and Rhonda, our lead pastors, have been coming out every week and telling us about their own fixer-upper that they're remodeling. As, as you know, they've been living in a camper outside of this fixer-upper home, and so they promise that next week we will have hopefully some closure around uh, what's going on in their life with this fixer-upper and hopefully we can see the completed project. Well, what you've just seen on the big screen is a tool-time therapy session uh, with some people that uh, maybe, just to be honest, maybe we've just described everyone in your family right now, okay? Uh, maybe some of those people you can identify with and some of those people you may look at your own self and be like you know that's a little bit like me maybe like the measuring tape that you feel like everything has to be perfect and if it's not it's wrong or the hammer that just you know there's blunt force trauma wherever he goes uh, always telling the truth and doesn't matter who he hurts in the process or maybe the vice grip that's you or someone you know that you know, they're just squeezing the life out of you. you. You leave some people just feeling drained. You know what I'm saying? And so maybe that's the vice grip in your life. Or maybe the grinder, the person that's just angry. How many of you know someone? It seems that they're just angry all the time, right? We know those people. And then Putty, who is my personal favorite on the screen, that just needs a backbone if you want her to, you know? So that's just awesome. I love that. I think that they did such a fabulous job. Well, the good news is that Jesus wants to remodel our relationships. He wants to come in and take some of these folks in our life, and he wants to change the situation, which is good news for us. But the news that we may not be expecting is that he may not do it the way in which we think he should. And so many times we find ourselves personally needing to go under construction in order that God may remodel the relationships in our life, but start with us. Now that's not always what we want to hear, right? We're all about change them. They're the issue, which I totally get. But I think today that we'll find some words from Jesus in order that he may help us see what it is that we need to see in order that we may change and of course change the relationship. So if you would, go with me into your program. Uh, there you'll find Matthew, uh, the 7th chapter, verses 3 through 5, or you'll find it here on the screen. And this is the words of Jesus, and this is what he said. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? 
How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. Oh, that hurts, right? First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus was reminding us here that we're really good at pointing out the faults in other people's lives, but not so much taking ownership ourselves at times. This fact has been proven in my own home. Uh, I'm married to Danny. He's, uh, we've been married for 11 years, and we have a little boy named Drew's three. And uh, Drew has learned a new word, but... Now, I know that's a boy thing, probably. That's just a toddler thing or whatever. But Drew uses it improperly. You know, he uses it randomly and at the times where it embarrasses you the most. Do you understand what I'm saying, parents? And so, Danny thinks it's hilarious. I don't. Okay? And Drew's picked up on this. He'll say, Mama thinks it's funny, or, or Daddy thinks it's funny, but Mama doesn't. You know, so he knows this. And so he just goes around, you know, pointing, but, 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 but. And he thinks it's great. And it's embarrassing. So I've said, Drew, listen, at church, can we use a different word? You know, can we find some other words to use at church? I'm already teaching him to be a hypocrite, okay? I'm already teaching him, you know, to live one way at home and live another way at church. I know by the time he's 15, we're probably going to have to put him on that show, Scared Straight. I know. We're headed that way. But the bad thing is, he learned it from us, right? The very thing that I hate that he's doing right now, using but at any point in a conversation when he can, I hate, but he learned it from us. And so Jesus knew that about us. He knew that we would expect other people to do things differently and we would hold them to a higher standard than we would hold to ourselves. And so he's saying, listen, I know you see that speck in your brother's eye, but what you should really be focused on is that telephone pole coming out of your own. If you would just focus on that, because we're really good at forgiving ourselves, right? We're really good at letting ourselves off the hook. We're really good at being patient with ourselves, but not so much with other people. And notice Jesus didn't say, ignore the sawdust. He didn't say that. Because no, the sawdust here does represent sin. It does represent discomfort in our spiritual lives, things that may hold us back, things that are hurtful. But Jesus is saying you've got to be aware enough to take the two-by-four out of your own eye in order not that you can point out everything wrong in everybody else's life, but in order that you may see clearly enough to bring healing. See, we're to be agents of healing, not to bring more pain. And so Jesus is saying, let's take the two-by-four out of our eye, let's take the telephone pole out of our eye, in order that we may bring healing and wash the sawdust out of our brother's eye. Because if you want someone to change, nagging and complaining and criticizing, it just doesn't work, does it? I mean, I wish it did. Because I'm so good at that. 
It's like my spiritual gift. <laughs> but it doesn't work, does it? It doesn't work. And so what we have to do is we have to find ways in order to change us. And when we begin to allow God to change us, the climate in the relationship begins to change. And then the relationship itself begins to change. So we ask God to, to make me a better spouse. We ask God to make me a better parent. We ask God to make me a better leader, a better coworker, a better student. God, change me. And first we look in, and then we look up. First we look in, and then we look up, and allow Him to remodel us. And so I think there's four ways that God wants to remodel us. Four ways that God can remodel us in order to remodel our relationships. And I believe the first one is this. Gain the carpenter's perspective. Gain the carpenter's perspective. Now, if you don't know, Jesus is the master carpenter. And I need to gain a new perspective on these sandpaper people that God has put in my life. God has intentionally and purposefully put sandpaper people in my life. And that sounds really mean, doesn't it? Like, God, why are you doing that? But he does that to intentionally rub the rough edges off the corners of our life that doesn't look like Jesus. He will intentionally and purposefully put measuring tape perfectionists in your life to rub you the wrong way in order that the rough edges that don't look like Jesus will be rubbed off. The blunt force hammer will come down in our life and tell us the truth when we don't want to hear it to cause us to have those rough edges rubbed off in our life. Not to be run over but to rise up into what God has called us to be. Maybe to stand up for those that can't speak for themselves. Maybe to uh, help us to understand that our acceptance only comes from Him, not from the perfectionist in our life. That we begin to rely on Him. I think that Paul talks about this a lot and, and points us to this truth in Romans 5 and 3, and this is what he says. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they are, would you read these next three words for, with me? Good for us. Ugh. They're good for us. It's like when my mom used to give me castor oil when I was a little kid and tell me it was good for me. That makes no sense. It was horrible and did bad things to you as well. <laughs> They're good for us, he said, and they help us learn to be patient. Ugh. And patience develops strength of character in us and helps us trust God more each time we use it until finally our hope and faith are strong and steady. He's saying, look, if you want patience, God is not just going to snap his finger and give you patience. 
Know he's going to bring some sandpaper people in your life to teach you to be patient. And not only that, if you're looking for, you know, how to get through situations and continue to be joyful, he's not just going to give you joy. No, he's going to bring problems. He's going to bring circumstances into our life because he knows that they are good for us, that it works Forgive me for the castor oil kind of reference here. It works out (laughs) the things in our life that don't look like Jesus. That's what sandpaper people do for us. Because here's the thing. Happiness comes and goes, right? There's probably not two or three days in a row where you're completely happy all the time. Because happiness is set up around happenings. Happiness is set up around circumstances. And we chase happiness, but it's fleeting. We chase happiness, and we can't grasp it. Because what we should be searching for is joy, because it's eternal. Danny and I chased happiness all the way down to Orlando, Florida, about three weeks ago, to the happiest place on earth, I'm told, which is Disney World. We decided to take our our little boy for the first time to Disney. And I talked to many of you that were Disney kind of experts. You told me what to do and how to plan for that, taking the toddler, and I researched online. And so we decided that we would go the end of January, beginning of February, I have to say, the weather was beautiful. It was fantastic. I walked around in long sleeve shirts and never broke a sweat maybe once. It was just awesome. And when you walk in at 9 o'clock in the morning, it is magical. Okay? It's magical. I think I have a picture of us around 9 o'clock in the morning. It was fantastic. The birds are chirping. The flowers are blooming. Donald and Daisy are there. The parade goes by. Cinderella looks right at you and waves. It's magical. And then at 4.30, something happens. It's like a cloud, a plague comes over the park. And every child is screaming. And parents have turned on each other. And they hate each other. And they're telling each other, you're going to have a good time whether you like it or not. We look over and there is a family asleep. They're done. When you chase happiness, you can't catch it. And it doesn't live in Orlando, Florida. We have these expectations of these perfect circumstances. These perfect situations that we want to be perfect. But again, God has placed these people, these circumstances in our life 
Because again, as Pastor told us last week, he cares more about our character than our comfort. And so we ask God to open our eyes that we may, he may build the character within us that he deserves and that he desires in us, that we may do good. So we come in contact with these sandpaper people and we've got to think that there's a reason that they're so annoying. What is it? And so that brings us to number two, which is this. Drill down to the root cause of conflict. Drill down to the root cause of conflict. When we gain the master's perspective, we can ask God to help us to drill down to the root cause of conflict in a relationship, in a workplace, in a home, at school, wherever. God, what is going on here? People are just miserable, and they don't know why, but there is a reason. And if we don't figure it out, we'll be like the married couple that married one another and said, thank God we married each other so that only two people on this earth are miserable and not four. (laughs) Some of you are like, yep, that's true for my marriage too. Glad we didn't marry other other people because uh, just got enough miserable for ourselves. There's a reason. There's a reason that people are miserable. James 4 and 1 points this out. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? And then he asks us this other question. Don't they come from your desires that battle where? Ugh, within me. Would you circle within you? Conflict comes from within us. And many times we see it in the form of anger. Can I tell you that there probably are three reasons why a person is angry? And these are worth writing down, I think. The first is hurt. We hear this a lot, hurting people, hurt people, hurt. Maybe an underlying reason why there's outward anger. The second is fear. That is my issue a lot of times. A lot of times the reason I'm aggravated is because I'm afraid. I'm afraid maybe of a circumstance, what's going to happen. I don't have it all under control. I don't know. I'm that perfectionist sometimes. And, it, and when I'm out of control, it makes me afraid. And then I get angry. I get irritated. Maybe that's you. And then lastly, frustration. So hurt, fear, frustra- frustration. If you're around someone, they're angry, why don't you ask those questions? What are you frustrated about? What are you fearful of? What are you afraid of? Have I hurt you? If we ask those questions, that helps us to drill down to the root cause of whatever is going on in our life. Pastor taught us a fantastic question that we could ask in situations. Instead of judging and degrading and saying, what were you thinking? We could ask the question, what are you thinking? What are you thinking about this situation? What's going on in your head that will help us solve this issue? 
Maybe you need some help figuring some of those things out, and that is okay. Inside your program, I've placed some resources there at the very end, some Christian counselors. Danny and I have found this to be so valuable. I would encourage you to do that. Why is it? Why is it that we will take our car in for routine maintenance, but not ourselves? Why do we do that? Why don't we invite another person in that has no dog in the fight, so to speak, and can help us work out some issues, maybe with a spouse, with a friend? Whatever you're facing, these can be such good resources. And you still have conflicts and you still have disagreements, but you're drilling down to at least figure out why. And which I think brings us to number three, which is this, level with others in love. If you care enough about a relationship, not only will you try to gain the master's perspective, not only will you try to drill down to the root cause, but you'll talk about it. And this is the hardest part for me. Sometimes I just want to go and hide and hope it all goes away. But it just gets worse. And so I would ask you today to level with others in love. Ephesians, Paul begins to tell us a little bit about this. In Ephesians 4 and 15, he says, Instead, by speaking the truth with what? There it is. Let's grow in every way into Christ. Will you circle truth with love? If we care about a relationship, we'll talk. We'll try to make it better. And here's the thing. We have to look at ourselves. We have to look inside. We have to look at our motive. Is my motive just to throw up on someone and get all my anger out and get it off my chest? Or is it to actually help the relationship? So I have to talk and I have to do it in a way that people can receive it. I have to pray and ask God to help me to say it in the right way in the right time so they can receive it. And I'm the world's worst sometime at timing. Like when your spouse or your child or whoever comes in the door from school or work, that's not the time to bring out the laundry list of things that they've done wrong. Okay? When you're in the middle of heated battle, that's not the time to bring out the laundry list from five years prior. It's just not. So again, we have to pray and ask God, help me to say the right thing at the right time. Why? In order that they may receive what I'm trying to say in love. Will you go a step further with me? On the back of your connection card, there's a next step. That says, I will do my best. I'm not perfect at it. But I will do my best to balance the truth with love. When I have to confront a situation, help me to balance the truth in love. Why? Because the way I say things is just as important as what I say. The way I say things is just as important as what I say. Level with others in love. 
Now, the fourth thing that I think we need to do, I think it's the most important thing to do, is plug into the power source. Plug into the power source. And that is Jesus Christ. Why? Because power tools are useless unless they have a power source, right? Unless they're plugged in, unless the battery's charged or whatever, they're useless. And so when my human love begins to run out, if I'm plugged into the power source, the Holy Spirit will allow me to love like He loves. When my human wisdom runs out and I'm plugged into the power source, He fills in the gaps that I may use wisdom as He wants me to use wisdom. 2 Corinthians 1 and 8 tells us this. Paul said, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters. About what? About the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. Here's what happened. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Have you ever been in despair? Paul said we thought we were going to die. He said, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on who? Who, by the way, raises the dead. Paul says, hey, can I tell you, we thought we were going to die. But this happened to us in order that we might look up. And we might gain the, the master's perspective. And we might totally rely on him who raises the dead. Can I tell you that all these things that we've talked about this series you can't do? You can't do. You can't love like Jesus loves. You can't give the truth in love. You can't drill down to get to the bottom of, of root causes. You can't do all these things yourself. But plugged into the power source, we find that God loves resurrecting dying relationships. Plugged into the power source, God loves resurrecting finances. God is a God that loves resurrecting relationships. And when you find that you're at the end of your road, when you're at a dead end, I want you to know that God is saying your destiny is right around the corner. Your dead end is going to bring your destiny. Why? Because you're plugged into the power source. Today, maybe you're here and you say, you know what? I need a major fixer-upper in my life. I need the master carpenter to come in and make something out of nothing. And can I tell you, there's a prayer in your program. It just simply says, dear Jesus, please come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Save me. Help me to know your will. Help me to do your will and turn from my sin that I can follow you. Today, if that's you, if you need the fixer-upper in your life to fix you up, just check that box on the back of your card 
and let us know so that we can pray for you this week, so that we can send you some material to get you along in your journey. Christopher Wren was a man that was brought to bring something that was almost dead and make it beautiful again. In the 1600s, St. Paul's Cathedral had been war-torn. It had been almost destroyed by fire. And Christopher Wren, with a team of people for years, came together with some plans of how they could make it beautiful again. And finally the day would come where they would start construction. And he would walk around the job site and he would find some workers. And some of them would be complaining, they would be tired. And he would say, what is it that you're working on? And they would say, well, we're just laying brick. We're just, uh, you know, carrying stone. He would move on. Maybe some other workers, they were kind of cutting up with each other, laughing, whistling. And he asked them, what is it that you're doing? And they said, we're building a beautiful cathedral. Can I tell you today that God wants to take the rubble in your life and he wants to make it a beautiful cathedral. That if we'll gain his perspective and see that he's working it all for our good, that he's going to take those things that are dying and he's going to make them new again, that he's going to take those things that look destroyed, but he's going to restore them in your life. We just have to look up. When it seems that there's just a mess all around us, look up. Because there's a cornerstone. And it's Jesus Christ our Lord. And he holds it all together. And my prayer today is that you would see him and know that he is the strong one. And he will make all things new in your life and in your relationships again. If we'll just allow him to fix us up. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Would you stand and let's sing this song together. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net. And click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.